Hi, everybody. My name is Vivi Nguyen, and I am an ERG leader for the API ERG at Tides. This is our very first episode of the API Heritage Month podcast series, and I am joined by Sunila Jean. Um, I'll just quickly go through my identities. Um, I am a she, her, and I'm also the community spaces manager under the real estate and operations team at Tides. Uh, and I also identify as a Vietnamese American second generation uh, woman. So Sunila, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and your identities and we'll just kick off the interview. Great, thanks so much, Phoebe. Um, so my name is Sunila. I'm, um, I'm actually from, uh, from the North Bay and I um, use the pronoun she, her. My current role at Tides is the Chief Legal and Ethics Officer. And I identify as um, Indian and Portuguese American. Um, so yeah, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, did you wanna kick off our conversation? Yeah, I'd love to actually. I, I, I've, been, I've been so, um, I've been so appreciative of just the leadership you and other folks at Tides have provided with respect to affinity groups. And I personally have always had a little bit of a complicated relationship with affinity groups as a mixed person. Um, and every time I interact with you, I, I feel so strongly, you know, your, your pride and your enthusiasm. Um, so I would just love to hear a little bit about that, about, you know, um, just what role affinity groups have played for you or, you know, when you began to be involved with affinity groups um, mm -hmm. and just how you relate to them. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so just for context, the API ERG at Tides has been um, in motion since last June, I would say, and we officially kicked off a few months ago. Um, however, affinity groups have been a common thread in my life throughout all my different phases. I actually started my first, uh, the first Asian Pacific Islander club in high school, joined similar affinity groups in college and uh, continue today to create spaces for API identifying folks, um, always out of a need because they're just never there. It's, it's always feels like I am a part of the effort to create that space um, because I feel so strongly about it. Uh, and the Asian ERG at Tides has been just so well received already by API identifying Tidesters. Um, some have called it like a safe haven or a home so far. And I think that's really the core of why we do what we do in the, this ERG. It's, it's to be that safe space for folks um, to talk about food, to celebrate our cultures and its diversity. And to even especially talk about the, the hard challenges that we're going through uh, as API identifying people as well. Um, and so we're just starting to scrape that surface of those deeper hitting uh, conversations amongst our own community. And now we're starting to become more vocal uh, at Tides more broadly. And so that's a really exciting moment, I think, for this community. And we are just so grateful to have a leader like you, you know, sponsored in and um, helping us navigate through that uh, at a leadership level. It really takes a lot of different levels of the organization to mobilize this community. Um, 
And so I actually had a question for you, Sunila, about your affinity groups. Could you share a little bit more about your experiences with them? Yeah, um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Phoebe. Um, and, and thanks, I totally, I totally agree with you about different levels and just the contribution. And I think it's, it's really awesome. And the Tides API group has really made me, I, I've been thinking a lot. I've been thinking a lot about the group and a lot about affinity groups more generally. Um, because when I was, you know, when I was growing up, um, I was really, there, there were, there were no other, um, Indian families, um, in our area. Um, I, I very rarely saw anybody that was Indian, um, at my school. I was one of the darkest kids. Um, and I was looking at my school pictures the other day. And oftentimes I was the only brown kid in the picture. Um, and so, you know, my experience, I kind of dreamed of like having a name, like, like Jennifer, for some reason, I always went to Jennifer when I was in elementary school, that was the name I wanted. Um, and, um, um, I used to actively tell people I was Christian because I thought that that was also something that like made people see you as one of them. And I wasn't, I like had no, like it had no grounding in reality, but it was just trying to understand or to navigate, like, um, how do I become part of this group? Um, and I had, you know, I had a good group of friends. It wasn't as though I was excluded, um, but I also felt different. Um, and there were just, there were no affinity groups um, to connect with. And I didn't even have a vision in my head for what that would look like. So I first interacted with affinity groups actually when I went to college. Um, and that was the first time that people started to identify me as Indian. Before that, I really was kind of like ambiguously brown. Some people thought I was Mexican, some people thought I was different types of Asian, um, but I was never identified as Indian before I went to college. Um, and there, I really had kind of a conflicted relationship with affinity groups because, um, again, I just never really felt like I fit in. Um, I, my mom is, is Portuguese. She's white. Um, my dad, my, both my parents were, were wanderers and kind of left home, um, and created their own, you know, their own space, um, steeped in a lot of culture, but their own space. Um, and, you know, there was even one instance where I was asked to join an affinity group and then was subsequently told that, um, they actually weren't looking for South Asians for the affinity group. And it was just this like a super awkward conversation. And it was one in which like, for me was illustrative of this idea of like, I didn't meet somebody's profile um, for being part of what they were creating. So I think that for me, I always saw affinity groups as this kind of like exclusion, like folks were either in, because of what they looked like or they weren't in. Um, and that was just deeply uncomfortable because I couldn't find that space or that safety space. Um, and so I really did a lot of soul searching, especially even when I heard about, you know, that the API ERG of tides in terms of what does it mean um, and what power can it give? And what does it mean to create a space that celebrates without excluding? Um, mm -hmm. And um, 
and you know the the events that I've gone to um I've just been really inspired I've been inspired by the energy that people bring and also just like trying to be open to thinking about like how can I relate to my own identity in a different way um Mm -hmm. or how is my experience what's possible right in terms of a different experience so anyhow I've I've really appreciated um, the space that has been created. And I continue to think about like how, how I can also be a part of, of supporting, how I can also be a part of supporting um, what we're all trying to create um, at Tides or otherwise in terms of empowering, empowering, you know, to be honest, people that also look like me and also, you know, anyone that, that, um, wants to raise their voice um, and wants to be seen in a different way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Sunila. Um, do you have a question for me, by the way? Yeah, um, yeah so I'm wondering, um, you know, you, I know, have um, have obviously engaged uh, deeply with these issues for a long time. And I'm wondering if there was ever a moment um, you know, you, you spoke about a lot of a lot of pride. Um, was there any moment in, in your in your career um, to date, or even you know, in your in your school days, where you really did feel extremely ashamed, or extremely proud, or just very ashamed, or very proud of of your AAPI identity? Mm. Yeah, this is a great question, and I'm shifting through a lot of different memories right now, especially as a child compared to moments as an adult. Uh, and this is, I wanted to extract something that you had said, and this is my interpretation of it, um, is that my perception of these embarrassing or prideful moments have changed over time. Um, and one being like the notorious lunchbox moment. Um, definitely remember a time in kindergarten I had brought um some kind of Vietnamese dish. It's extremely potent and really smelly. Uh, We are known for having fish sauce in a lot of our dishes. And it's like a really strong anchovy smell. Um, It might've been like a pork bun or something actually, uh, now that I remember it. And it had been sitting in the lunchbox for so long all day. And once I pulled it out, I do remember kids just like running away from the table, (laughs) just leaving me alone with my lunchbox. And I just know so many other Asian identifying folks can relate to this moment or just anyone that's um, just a person of color, honestly, uh, that brought their, their the mother's cooking to uh, school. And yeah, that was a deep moment of embarrassment. And I immediately just wanted, you know, chicken nuggets and fries uh, and threw away my, my le- entire lunchbox. Um, and now as an adult, that I'm, I'm like craving my mother's food, you know, being out on my own, having to fend for myself <laughs> for food. I, yeah, like the first thing I, I want is that, that pork bun or anything, you know, with fish sauce in it now. So that's just been a huge like shift for me. Um, yeah, from embarrassment to pride. And it was also in moments of the clothes we used to wear. Um, my parents, 
used to make me wear a lot of traditional clothes to school as well. And that was also an embarrassing moment back then. Um, but now, yeah, I, I like, whenever I see a vendor that can create, you know, Vietnamese ao yais, um, it's like a, a traditional long dress with pants. Um, I, I definitely try my best to, to buy one and have it custom fit because it's really hard to find these days in America. Um, most times you have to go back to Vietnam or a special shop in a predominantly Vietnamese area to get that created. So yeah, I, I think these moments of appreciation definitely came with maturity and appreciation for my own culture. Um, did you have any similar moments growing up of pride or embarrassment? Yeah, yes. Um, um, and I think it's so interesting how, um, I think it's so interesting how things change over time. Um, you know, my my dad, before he um, before he married my mother, he was a monk, um, and chanting and meditation and yoga was very important to him. Um, and he was um, unashamed about how and where and when he would he would chant or or meditate or do yoga. Um, and one of my most vivid memories of that kind of embarrassment was um, I was on the swim team. And I remember walking around the swimming pool and seeing on the grassy area um, a circle of kids. And it was just like a circle of white kids. Um, and they were just standing there around something. Um, and so I went over to see what people were looking at. And I realized in the, in the middle of the circle was my dad. Um, and he was doing a headstand. I have no idea like how long he had been there, but he was in a headstand meditating. So his eyes were closed um, and he was just totally still and totally comfortable in the midst of his swim meet, in the middle of a circle of white kids. Um, and I heard somebody say like, Who's, whose dad is that? Um, and of course, if this child had come around, it would have been pretty obvious whose dad this was. Um, but I remember just backing up like slowly backing away um, yeah. and then going to the other side of the pool so that like I was as far away from, you know, connecting the brown dots as possible. Um, wow. And, um, you know, what's interesting about that moment, um, my dad died uh, six years ago um, and he, he decided that he wanted to have a living memorial service. Um, because he found out he had brain cancer, we found that it was incurable, um, and he wanted to have like his own funeral, so to speak, before he died. So it was a very hard thing to do, but we put it together. Um, and when I spoke at that memorial service, I spoke about that image of him in my head, um, because it had transformed for me from like this moment of embarrassment to just thinking about where my dad was at that moment. You know, he was so deep in meditation, so much chatter around. And I thought like, is he somewhere in his orange robes, you know, dancing with his guru? Is he somewhere in India? Like he used to hike in the Himalayas, like exploring there. Um, he was somewhere that was not at that swim meet. 
Um, and it just helped me relate to think about like, even when I'm hiking now, I kind of have these fun images in my head of like my dad in his robes, like on a tree or like, <laughs> you know, doing something else. And it was that like, it was that connection to seeing him be so still um, and so present, but absent that allowed me to kind of develop this image of him as like, you know, he's like my little brown, my, my little brown wanderer still somewhere in the world. So, um, you know, I think now fondly about putting the windows up in my house when he was like chanting in the back room and like not wanting the neighbors to hear. Mm -hmm. um, and just thinking about how, how he was him, you know, he was yeah. like unabashedly him. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful for that still today. So. My gosh, that is such a beautiful memory of him. And I can relate around having parents that are just so candidly themselves in public. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and um, I'm sorry about your dad, by the way, Sunila. Um, it, it's so wonderful that that moment of embarrassment had changed for you, too. Uh, and I'm just so appreciative of still having my parents today too, through this conversation. Um, my parents are dancers, uh, and they just dance randomly in public and I can totally <laughs> feel the, I can feel the flush of embarrassment from my childhood, but now I'm joining dancing with them in public. I'm just, I've kind of reached that arc where I'm just going to be present as much as possible because time is just like so precious, you know? Totally. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it's to, to move this into maybe more of a professional lens. Um, I'm just wondering how has your identity influenced your professional career? Oh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's funny. I think about I think about the fact there's kind of a direct and an indirect answer. Um, I think about the fact that I'm a lawyer, and that's not because I come from lawyers. Um, in fact, I come I come from not lawyers. Um, I think that as a, as um, you know what I was describing earlier in terms of not having a strong connection with respect to like really my identity um, as a child. Um, there was, I always felt um, very much or very aware of kind of like my smallness and my brownness and my girlness. <laughs> um, and that those were, none of those were attributes um, that came with um, assumed power. And none of them were attributes that came with assumed leadership or strength. Um, you know, I tended to be seen as a child as very sweet and very kind. Um, and I was sweet and I was kind. <laughs> it was how I was. Um, but I was also other things and I aspired to be other things. Um, and like, as I went through life, because I think I always have had this kind of aspect of, of I'm, I'm a bit of a wanderer as well um 
And, um, you know, I, I developed this very strong sense that I really needed to stand for myself. Um, and I needed, like, my presentation to the world was really just going to be based on my how I presented myself. Um, if I, people were never going to assume that I was right, I needed to prove that I was right. Like, people were never going to assume I was a leader. I needed to prove that I was a leader. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, like, when I look at even, like, lawyering, right, and arguing and, like, supporting things and analyzing, I think that part of that career or that direction was partly because, like, I grew very used to, um, trying, like, building, assessing and analyzing and trying to come up with, like, you know, the best answer, the right answer, the, the strongest direction, um, Mm-hmm. And really wanting to bring other people into that because I have a real commitment to having people not feel excluded. Um, and so I think that, you know, some of those attributes actually ended up affecting my career choice or how I approach it. Um, and I think that, you know, today I stand in my skin very proudly. Like I, I, I know I, I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm very proud of who I am. Um, and um, and it's also true that um, I still kind of um, struggle with that identity at times um, in terms of, you know, thinking about one one example that I'm just kind of working through in my brain. I'm sorry, I'm I'm working through it as I'm talking. Um, no is like, you know, just thinking about like as I transitioned to the executive team at Tides, mm-hmm. um, and one really interesting kind of process that I'm still going through is like in my brain, I'm still this small brown girl, and like I I oh. sit into that with pride, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in my brain, I spent so many years being a small brown girl, um, you know, without access to networks and, you know, from a, a cash-strapped family um, and without, like, you know, that sense of who is going to support me um, or who is invested in my success. I just didn't have that. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up going to this, you know, very good law school and I ended up, you know, um, doing well there. And I... Um, have this position now that in and of itself kind of holds this 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 power is associated with power um and it's it's challenging at times to reconcile that within myself like figuring out how do I stand with confidence how do I sit into this position um and when does that like other voice in the back of my head kind of creep up <laughs> and make me wonder about how I'm doing it or how I should be doing it or am I doing the right thing or how much do I need to fight to be able to show like, you know, what what I can offer um, because I don't meet that profile. Um, so it's been a really interesting thing for me to kind of move from this like, you know, sense of someone who was more powerless to someone who in different forums can be identified as powerful. Um, 
and being responsible for that and being aware of it. Um, and also, you know, just making sure I'm aware of like how I carry myself, I don't know, in that space. Um, so I, I think that, you know, my identity has really affected how I approach my career. Um, it affects how I relate to other people. Um, and um, and it's something that I'm, I'm very proud of and also brings in this whole host of kind of like questions and, and other things that, um, you know, continue to, to be things that I work through as I continue to figure out like, who am I, right? Like what kind of a leader am I? Like, what are my role models? Like when you don't grow up with so many role models that look like you, right? Um, like when you don't meet a stereotype, like is it your job to create a profile? And then what if folks don't like that profile? You know, like what if you're not the kind of leader other folks want to look up to? So it's like just all of that, that mix of stuff that, um, you know, I, I think about when I've got a couple of brain cells left at the end of the day. <laughs> well, how about you? I mean, you've gone through, I know that you had your own business at one point, which I think is amazing and fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Has your identity influenced, you know, what you've, what you've done in your professional career, how you've, the opportunities you've sought or not sought? I had never thought about this question Sorry. <laughs> um, but thank you for calling out my uh, entrepreneurship um, because I think that, yeah, there are definitely parts of me that feel well connected to my matriarchy, particularly, um, you know, nothing really stands out except for just like moments where I need to call on their resilience or, mm -hmm their scrappiness and resourcefulness um which definitely serves me when i was when i went solo after um quitting my my first corporate job which was really hard to do but i think that the strength that i carry from my matriarchy and my whole family to be honest um and recalling their you know their immigrant journey from Vietnam after the fall of Saigon and, you know, moving to a completely new country and starting over again, essentially. Um, yeah, really, truly influenced the way I moved through uh, the different phases of my own career. Um, and it's, I think it's something you're probably relating to as well is like, it's still a journey for me. And mm -hmm. I'm still kind of connecting the dots along the way. Mm -hmm. um, it does feel right to be here at Tides. Um, and I found my way through um, making this pivot into the nonprofit space, which I never thought I was gonna do. Um, nonprofit wasn't perceived as a viable career path by my family. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a challenge and um, it still, it still persists, I think, with my family for them to really understand what I do with my life. And, in social justice work specifically. Uh, however, yeah, I think something I also am influenced by is um, their authenticity and their strong alignment to their values. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really identify as being someone who's religious, but my family is very religious and that's 
help them move through a lot of difficult moments in their lives. And I respect that. I respect it too. And I think I carry that conviction and, um, and belief through my life as well. So I, I, I'm, I'm still really grateful to be here at Ties is what I guess I'm trying to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it feels right for this moment and it, it feels really refreshing to be around people who are kind of in the same sentiment as me mm-hmm. right now, um, especially other Vietnamese or a- API identifying folks that I'm sharing this with. Like it just seems to be a commonality for us. Um, and Thais is just a special place. I just, mm-hmm. I just can't speak to any more <laughs> than that. Um, yeah. Is, do you feel the same way too? I do. I really do. Um, Thais is an enigma. It is like, <laughs> it is such a, it, is, it stretches me in every way possible. Um, and I also like, I can't imagine another place where I um where I would have an opportunity to kind of really, um, you know, explore issues with authenticity um, to really be myself. Like I, I have a really hard time not being myself. Um, I, I kind of, I, I cannot role play and I can't, you know, do things for the purpose of, I don't know, one conversation or another, I always tend to be exactly who I am. Um, And Tides has allowed me to do that um, and has allowed me to be a leader while I'm doing that. Um, And, you know, especially, you know, when I look at the folks that I work with closely um, and, you know, my, my, my colleagues on our, you know, our, our newly 2021 constituted executive team, um, I feel like they want me to succeed in a way that um, I've never felt in my life. Like I've never felt um, that my success was anything but my own. Um, and I feel like that's not the case at Tides. Um, and that's both very stressful, right? <laughs> um, totally. It's also like, it just, I, I feel a deep sense of, um, of kinship um, with people at Tides. Um, and that is just an amazing thing to find at work. So, yeah. I am nodding and snapping <laughs> in solidarity with you right now. And I wish we had more time, honestly, Sunila. It's just been great to just share space with you in this way. I'm, I'm going to cherish it for a long Thanks. time. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope you don't mind we wrap this up here. No, <laughs> please. Thank you, Vivi. And thank you. Same to you. I really enjoy talking to you. And um, I, I really appreciate you inviting me to talk here um you know if anybody else ever wants to chat like um I know I can be a bit crazy these days I have a I have two young boys um and with everything that everybody is dealing with in terms of the world um Mm -hmm. but you know I I um 
I believe I believe in Tidesters. I'm so grateful for the community, the API community, um, and the Mosaic community, and um, and just really, um, you know, so many of our colleagues that wanna that want to advance and support um, people, regardless of regardless of what they look like, or maybe even to encourage more faces um, and more appearances and more ways of doing things. Um, I'm really celebrating that. So, you know, anytime anybody wants to talk, um, I can I can um, work on my coherence um, and I'm always <laughs> glad to have the conversation and I love to learn about more people, so. Oh, well, we appreciate that. Thank you for keeping an open door for conversation. Um, I know I definitely will reach out to you in the future for more of these talks. Thanks, um, yeah, thanks again for joining us for our first podcast of the AAPI Heritage Month series. Um, please check it out uh, on Undercurrents and we'll check out links uh, provided in the Slack channel. I uh, hope you have a great Friday, Sumila, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, baby. Okay, bye. Bye.